0: So that your singing is always a blessing to my heart, to our church family. Thank you for your gift and giving it back to the Lord and to us. I'm curious, uh, you watching today, how many of you have uh, can remember a time when you were anticipating something uh, to arrive. You were really longing for it. You perhaps even waited a long time for its arrival. And and when it finally came, you were over the mood, excited. That, that really is... What was happening in the first century, uh, where we plunge into our scripture story today, back into the Christmas story, it was a world filled with darkness, a world filled with longing and anticipation, and uh, for a Jewish world, steeped in the Old Testament, and the the acts of God throughout the Old Testament, uh, and the, the prophetic utterance waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. These people were were waiting desperately for the coming. They eagerly anticipated the Messiah so that he might come and heal the world. This is what we hear in our passage this morning, and I'm so happy that the Fong family are going to share our extended scripture reading this day. The part of our story this morning that we want to focus our attention upon is when God sent angels to speak to shepherds and to call them into the story of what God was doing, the reality of God coming into the world, taking on flesh to live among us. Here, again, this part of the story that we just heard. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching their sheep over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Here we have, just outside of the town of Bethlehem, uh, you were uh, uh, with us last week, you know that we focused on the verses just before uh, verse 8 of Luke chapter 2, where Mary and Joseph find their way from Nazareth, southward, about 70 miles, to where Bethlehem was the normal route. It took them several days, it was an arduous journey, especially for Mary, as one who uh, was uh, extremely pregnant, late in her pregnancy, Um, and uh, the... We we find them in Bethlehem and outside of the town of Bethlehem were shepherds. And these particular shepherds, it's very possible that they were... "...watching over flocks that were designed for and destined for the sacrifices of the temple in Jerusalem." Bethlehem lies just outside of Jerusalem, and and the Mishnah, which is a collection of oral teachings in Judaism, describes that the sheep between Jerusalem, out of the wilderness areas, between Jerusalem and Bethlehem, are sheep destined for the sacrifices of the temple." Now, the shepherds are also known, even though they have a a great history in the Old Testament, come New Testament times uh, during the the first century AD, we find that shepherds really had a pretty poor, low reputation. And so it's quite remarkable that these angels would show up at the doorstep of these shepherds in the middle of the night. Shepherds were uh, viewed as uh, untrustworthy and unreliable. They were viewed as thieves. In fact, uh, they had what we used to call when I was younger, uh, they would often practice, or at least their reputation was, a five-finger discount. You know what a five-finger discount is? You you see it, it's not yours, you take it anyway. What is thine becomes fine that, that is what the shepherds had a reputation for. They, because of their work, they were considered among um, religious people as being those who were not ideal worshippers because they—they they tended, because of their work, to find themselves ceremonially unclean, where they weren't fit to show up for worship. And so, shepherds really had a very poor reputation. The way Luke lays out the, the angels arriving to the shepherds. Luke has a tremendous heart for those who are uh, underserved and oppressed. And, and he talks regularly through the gospel of the great reversal that Jesus brings. That Those who are on top and in power find themselves turned over. Those who are on the bottom and suffering find themselves in Christ. Uh, the, the order of things gets situated and shifted so that God's work can happen in the way that he desires it to be. As we progress through this passage, we we see today that Jesus is the light in the darkness. Did you notice that the shepherds, it says, were keeping watch over their flocks by night? Now, there was no artificial light, of course, 2,000 years ago, and so at night was nighttime. With the exception of a full moon, there would be very little light for them other than maybe a campfire for them to uh, keep uh, life happening around them. And suddenly, it seems, out of nowhere, there's a suddenness of God and, and His glory arising and surrounding the shepherds, and an angel appears, a messenger of God, where the Bible says that the glory of God shone around Uh, the angel and the shepherds. Other passages in the scripture remind us uh, about the the light and the symbolism of light coming into the darkness, because uh, even where people walked in darkness, they have now seen a great light. Darkness, we know, if you don't have light uh, and you're walking in the darkness, it's so easy to stumble and to lose your way. That is why light in the midst of darkness is such a powerful image, even today, even today, but especially for them in that day. Polish explorer Katie Fielder wrote about his many adventures in, in the middle of the 20th century. After a time in the jungle, he wrote about the dark and boding fear, foreboding fear of getting lost in the jungle. And he says, quote, of all the possible deaths, man can die in the jungle. The most dreaded is that which results from being lost. You see, lost in a jungle with no pathway out, every turn around you looks just like the previous turn, and it is so easy to lose your way. To get lost in the darkness without light is a terrible dread. And the Bible describes this as being the human condition apart from God, apart from what God has done in Jesus Christ. It is is a lostness in our world, where where we try to understand how to rightly live in relationship with other people, we try to understand what is right about marriage, we try to understand how to live with integrity and, and morality, and God is the one who comes with his light in hand, and he shows us the way. The, the psalmist says, God, may your word be a light unto my path, and a... Uh, uh, that which takes me forward on my journey to lead me out of lostness and let me go with you. You see, the light of God's glory in this passage, it surrounds the shepherds. And if uh, you ever been near a campfire or near even a, a bonfire, a large fire, you know, uh, a roaring fire, the closer you get, what happens? The hotter it becomes. And uh, the, the intense, the more intense the flame is. It's like Uh, I almost get a sense that as shepherds are there, out of nowhere, this the intensity of God's presence, the the intensity of the brightness of his glory uh, falls down on them and, and it strikes fear in them. This angel's appearance strikes fear in them. Because it's magnified. This intensity of the presence of God, it's magnified. Not just by the single angel, but when the host of angels come, when you see the idea of the host of the heavenly realms, the Bible might say, he's talking about an army, not just one angel, messenger of God, but a whole army of messengers of God come. And so they're struck with fear. Because this army, however, has not come for attacking. They have come for announcing. They have a wonderful message as they have come to them. But Jesus, we're learning out of the glory of God shining a light in the darkness, where Jesus comes, He brings light into the dark places. He brings light into the dark spaces. I don't know about you, but but these weeks have been very tough for many of us, all of us, in so many different ways. I know this has been a hard week for me. And I know what it is to lean in and to look for the light of Jesus in the midst of the dark moments. And God is so good at providing His light as His gift. Jesus says that He is the light of the world. And so we need not walk in darkness when we follow Jesus forward in our lives. What we learn from this passage, uh, in addition to Jesus bringing light into darkness, is that Jesus is God's good news. Jesus is God's Good news. When the angels, their, their message is, I bring you good news of great joy. This good news is the word that, that the Bible will now begin to pick up and use as the word gospel. This good news of God, what God is doing in Jesus. You see, God's joy, the shepherds, when they're there in the middle of the darkness, that darkness is pierced with the light of God's glory. They are struck with fear when the angel and the heavenly host appears and their message is, do not fear. I bring you good news of great joy. You see, the, the, their great fear was to be overwhelmed with the great joy of the message of God. Great fear is replaced with the joy of the Lord, the presence of God in their life, just like in your life. You see, when God is here in your life, it replaces the fear When God is close and you cling to His presence, it eliminates fear from your life. Fear and worry about the future. Fear and worry about your work. Fear and worry about your children. Because you entrust your entire life into the hands of the living God who loves you. Through Jesus, God offers the gift of Jesus, and through Jesus, as we receive Him into our lives and live with Him, as we we take Him in, that we we learn to walk with Him, that we now have peace with God because of who Jesus is. Such peace is the gift of Jesus, and it is what the Bible describes as salvation. You know, you will never ever truly be fully and deeply knowledgeable about God. You will not know God apart from Jesus. That is why Jesus coming in the flesh that first Christmas season is such good news. That is why every year since, the church gathers and commemorates the arrival of God in the flesh because it is the work of God in salvation because the peace with God is available only through the presence and work of Jesus, Apart from turning from your sin and embracing Jesus, you are wandering in the jungle. You're wandering without a pathway forward. You're wandering in the darkness without light. Jesus has come so that the light of God's glory might shine around you so that God might call you into Jesus and into his love and into his life and into the forgiveness that he offers to you. You see, God's gift... God's gift to you is not just an occasional sense of calm in the midst of trouble. God's gift, he did not send Jesus into the world so that you and I would just kind of go along our merry way with very little thought about God. But when trouble strikes, then all of a sudden we're crying out for prayer that that's not the gift of God for your life. God's gift, God's gift is to see you and to let you see him. In his coming and in his dying for you and his being raised from the dead and offering you a raised and new life. This is why, as a church, we have described our new mission statement that we desire to call Marin and beyond to live in the fullness of life. That Jesus Himself offers. That is the message of the, the angels to the shepherds. That is the message and the commission God has given us as a church, and one that we're attempting in this coming year to live out more vibrantly, I hope, than ever before in a new season of life to come. That is the fullness of life. You see, God's gift, this fullness, is gift wrapped and delivered special for these shepherds, special for these low-life, people who are considered low-lifes in their day, people who are not welcomed at the parties, people who were not the pretty people, people who are not the, the popular ones. It was to them that the message first comes, that Jesus has come for them. And then we, we see here finally that Jesus is the one who transforms Your life, this gift of God in the flesh is wrapped in in these swaddling clothes is the way one version describes it. And when the shepherds go, there's an eagerness about leaving their field and going to check out this message and to confirm it. And it describes them coming and finding, just like it had been told to them, this baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. What more perfect place for shepherds? That a feeding trough of animals for them to find the confirmation of what the angels had told to them. You see, salvation comes to the shepherds as they come to uh, experience Jesus. That is in our life essentials of our new uh, church vision to come. We are, we are calling people into a new season of, of growth spiritually. You see, God had first found the shepherds. And then they come out of his love and out of his call over them, and he comes and blesses them of himself. And that is what God desires for us and what we're structuring now as a church to step into this life essential that we call simply grow. Is that we want everybody to experience the salvation of God in Christ and then to to learn and experience together the beauty and wonder of growing in Christ. Him, growing roots deeper in Him. And then, what do the shepherds do after they come and find just what had been told to them, this baby, this arrival of God in the flesh, then they go out and they spread the word, and seemingly, anybody who would listen, anybody who came across their path, they were so delighted to connect them to the message that they had heard, to connect them to the Jesus they had found, to connect them with the reality that God had found them, and out of His love, invited and called them, and now they go out just like in our church. We are, we are looking to more deeply and, and, and intentionally of our life essential number two is to connect with those who today have not yet heard or have not yet accepted the good news of God and what He has done in Jesus. And so we are wanting to connect with others just like the shepherds go through spreading the word about what had happened to them, what had been told to them, and what they had seen to be true and experienced in their own life. And then at the end of this passage, what we see out of the shepherd's response is that they are glorifying and praising God. They're glorifying and praising God. This is worship. They found in their encounter with God, their expression was one of worship. They're glorifying God. They're giving Him the weight and honor and, and, and recognizing the worth and value of what God had done ascending of Jesus and in their calling of Him and worship. This is the third of our life essentials, is that we're to be people who worship and gather regularly to worship the living God for His fullness and truth of who He is. You see, this is the church that TBC is becoming again and rediscovering again. And part of the reason this new vision has been laid out, not that it's just words on a page or, or Something that's been cleverly written and will be framed and forgotten, but this is a vision that is to give us a new structure and a new framework around which we can live our lives together for the glory of God and to move forward with Him. You see, salvation is experienced. Don't you want to see more and new people coming to faith in Christ? Coming to understand that God in the flesh of Jesus, and he grew up to be a man. And as he, he went for about three years teaching and, and calling people to follow him, and then he went to a cross to die, and three days after that cross, he rises from the dead. And this is the expression of our faith. Don't you want to see more people coming to know and to be introduced and to be connected to this Jesus that the shepherds discovered that night. This is the church that we are becoming. This is the church that we are growing into and that our new vision has set a course for us to move forward in. And I pray that you will be part of this vision with us. That's part of why I've been inviting you to pray one by one is that once a week you might choose a neighborhood, probably your own, and you will go, maybe walking through your neighborhood, maybe you're standing from your window, but the idea is that you just begin to pray that you pray about what God is doing in the lives around you. And then you pray for yourself that God would open your eyes to what God is doing in the lives around you. Because brother and sister, I tell you what, we need more people who are intent, intent about seeking what God is doing in the lives of other people. Not meddling in their lives, but trying to connect them to the reality of the gospel of Jesus. And that is what we are being called afresh so that we can't call around and beyond to live in the fullness of the life that only Jesus offers. This is our future. This is where we are going as a church. And I pray that God would stir your heart so that we can go there together. So that we can do this together. I want to conclude this morning and re-invite you If you have your elements for the Lord's Supper, that you might want to do that as you watch today. This will be a brief moment, but brevity does not mean unimportant. And so we we gather around images today of bread and cup. I have bread, and today I have my coffee cup, much like you might have at home today or wherever you might be watching. These are symbols of the reality of Jesus who took on flesh. This is what the bread, the cracker, whatever you might have, your toast this morning. It's not the symbol that is so important, but what it represents that is truly important. And we see in it, we recognize in it, the body of Jesus, that God came out of heaven, He took on flesh, stepped to live among us, so that we might know the reality of forgiveness, and salvation is real. Because God himself took the penalty of sin upon himself. And when we delight in the Lord's Supper together, we are remembering the work of Jesus on the cross. And we're remembering that he really did die. And then we commemorate his resurrection from the dead. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus himself took bread and he prayed over and blessed it. And then he passed it out to his disciples gathered around him. And he said, This bread, common bread today, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. Won't you do this in remembrance of me? Let's eat together. On the same night, Jesus took a cup. It sure looked different than the cup I'm holding, I'm sure. It was filled with wine. It was blessed. And it was passed around that meal table. And it was described as being, representing the blood of Jesus that would be shed on the cross, that for us has been shed on the cross, and this blood that provides forgiveness of sin, and provides to you new life. And it's the blood that Jesus shed so that a church might be united, so that a church might be unified in our forward progress, of the church... I know what it is to work through the wounds of life together. When things become bruised, that we are are not broken. Jesus' body was broken, but we need not be. Because Jesus is alive and well and lives in his church and lives among his people. So if you're partaking at home, won't you drink as a reminder of Jesus' shed blood for you? Sister or brother, God is always good even through the challenging seasons of life. Isn't that true? I'd like to even in your heart right now to let the amen well up in you. The amen in the scripture is simply an agreement. An amen, amen, amen. God is good even when I can't see it in the moment. God is good even when COVID realities uh, continue to to make my life smaller. God is good even when uh, financial realities may seem God is good, even in the midst of relational difficulty. God is good. He's given us Jesus. He gave Jesus to the shepherds, and he offers himself to you. And we remember that this Christmas season. Father, we thank you for this gift. We pray that you would be delighted in our worship this day, and that you would unite our hearts together as we focus ourselves toward Christmas. We pray in the name of Jesus together that Thank <laughs> you.